Hi, folks. Welcome to another edition of Tom Foodery. Hi, folks. It's great to be here, as it is every chance I get here on the show on the air. Uh, what are we calling ourselves these days? Well, this one is Tom Foodery. It's a podcast, but the new show starts a week from today on WGSO, and it's going to be the food show. Oh, well, that's just right. Continuing this, the food show. This is the place where New Orleans is here to be. But we're also going to continue our silly little Tom Foodery just because we like it, or I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. All right. So uh, today is April 27th, and that means that we're going to talk about things in your almanac mm -hmm. for today. Like the Boston Tea Party. Well, actually, it's not really the day of the Boston Tea Party. But today in 1773, the British Parliament passed the Tea Act, which levied yet another tax on the poor American colonists. And uh, that was kind of it. That was it. You know how that is. You and take it and you take it and take it. And then all of a sudden, that's it. Bing. And that's what it was that uh, that facilitated the Tea Party idea, which then changed the fortunes of the world. Yeah, I've been to the exact place in Boston uh, to, to see what that really grabs, how that gets you. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, uh, it gets you. It's, <laughs> you know where you are. There's no doubt. That's for sure. Anyway, there's uh, much other things to see in Boston because that's sort of the center of things. But anyway, um, it was a big deal, a big deal back in the day. It's still a big deal, but it makes me think of tea, which is a big deal to me. I love tea. Yeah, people have been uh, enjoying it for a very long time. And uh, when we shifted over to uh, for coffee for that, it was uh, something that happened pretty easily, but something different for a while. It's a huge uh, markets around all of them. Yeah, really. It seems like coffee, though, has been around for almost as long, I would think. Mm -hmm. Probably every bit as long. Well, coffee is not quite as old as uh, tea. tea yeah. Well, getting back to tea, uh, it, there is an endless variety, as there is of coffee, but um, good old Lipton, I think, works very well. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, uh, the, I can tell you two people. One of them is... Uh, my wife, and the other one is a guy by the name of Roy Gust Jr. Here in uh, the French Quarter, we were talking about getting some uh, uh, tea in the French Quarter. He actually created a shop there. This has been a while ago. Roy Gust, for people who do not know him, was uh, is a member of the Antoine's family, which has several branches and is part of the family that ran Antoine's until the current iteration. Uh, Rick Blunt is the son of Yvonne, who is the sister, I guess, of one of the Gusts. Uh, yeah, there's uh, a lot of people in that family, yeah. but uh, all nice people. And yeah, they, they, they're, they're far-reaching, though. The Gusts had, uh, they were in politics. Anyway, Roy Gust had his own thing going. He did a cookbook, but he also had this tea shop, right? Yeah, uh, he came out with the conclusion that uh, maybe it's not quite time in Boston for uh, a lot of tea. <laughs> uh, so it was time here for tea? Uh, yeah, a bit, it certainly had a good uh, reputation there, but uh, this is something he felt was the next thing. Many, many different kinds of differently uh, 
put forth uh, teas. So in other words, you only you can do tea anywhere, and he was the one who brought tea in its uh, in its sort of cool tea shop for a while. Version. Uh, he found that it was not all that particularly good a business. It was too avant-garde. That was a long, long time ago. Now tea shops. And coffee was waiting to stomp in and take over that spot. Oh, right. oh okay. I see. Okay. So it's now, what is it, like a, a, a coffee chain? Right? It's Unfortunately, it's gone. Oh. No, I mean, I was just wondering if like Starbucks had replaced it or something. Uh, not any time lately. Yeah. Okay. All right. So for me, tea is the uh, is it's my drink. I do not drink coffee. I don't drink cokes. But uh, tea is what I drink, and I drink a lot of it. That's for sure. And um, I like black tea, green tea, white tea, any kind of tea. Fortnum and Mason. I just is pretty much as close to heaven as you can get in London, where they will blend teas, and everything is this gorgeous turquoise color. I love it. You'll be had. I know how you love. I know how you love how much I love Fortnum and Mason, Tom. <laughs> I've heard that and seen it in in real in life. In action, you've seen it in action at the cash register a few times, huh? Uh, well, before we move on from tea, I know that you have sort of a theory about tea and what the what it is about tea that makes it so popular. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it comes down to this. Sit and relax. Uh, tea is just one of those things that makes you ease. And then you get to loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know why I am so obsessed with tea. I, um, I like water well enough. I do. I, I like water well enough. I don't think things that are sweet are ever appealing to me. So it's not like I would drink soda or even lemonade which has too much sweet for me but um it's kind of like you feel like you have to drink something other than water and so tea is just totally benign it has no calories it has no sugar it just is it doesn't really taste like much it's just sort of there and I kind of like having it just be there Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very easy thing yeah. and easy too. Yeah. Now it's it's good when you when you have it with other things like you know a tea is a tea is if you haven't done a quote tea as in high tea it's really something to do I think it's it's definitely I mean it it might not be something to do a lot but it is really pleasurable I think mm, no question about it yeah I mean I I. Uh, I'm not really all that big on the little sandwiches, but but you you can really kind of like it after you try it a little bit, you know? I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like those finger sandwiches. Nobody knows why everybody loves them, but they love them. Today is National Prime Rib Day, Tom, and prime rib is... I won't say it's a thing of the past because you see it a lot, but it is not it is not the go-to beef dish here anymore. No? What uh, have we given up on? Well, I mean, you have a steak. You'll go into a steakhouse and you'll have a steak, but it used to be where you could get prime rib as a main thing. And think of all the restaurants that were prime rib focused. Victoria Station, Steak and Ale, Ichabod's. Do you remember Ichabod's? Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I uh, wrote an, an, a little article about that last week. Did you really? I did. I really did. Just Ichabods. Ichabods. Yes. How, was Ichabods just a local place, Tom? Uh, I don't know that, but we had two of them. Uh, Where was this? I know the one that the lakefront. Where was the other the one? The lakefront. The other one is uh, uh, on Veterans Highway. Uh, well, actually, in the building uh, on uh, Veterans, uh, what we would consider now uh, the old uh, Acme Oyster House on Veterans. Actually, that's gone too these days. No, it's not. No, it's not. Oh. No. Uh-uh. Are you talking about by Causeway? Yeah. By Causeway? In the Kmart Shopping Center or the old Kmart? Where it used to be, yeah. Really? Yeah. That was in Ichabod's? That was in, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't remember that. I mean, clearly that was the second location. The, the original Ichabod's on the marina yeah. was in was West End. Uh, right now mm-hmm. was there was a chinese restaurant there yes. now did did ichabod's follow the chinese restaurant or was it vice versa uh, followed it to the point that the chinese place is still there okay so uh, then the chinese place came after ichabod's is that right uh yeah okay all right um so ichabod's was a um i i remember ichabod's well because when i was a youngster I got a job as a telemarketer (laughs) selling selling Ichabod's gift cards. And Ichabod's was um, a big big salad bar. But I remember, I think it was a big prime rib thing, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Was it a big prime rib thing? It uh, was a, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. You would see it around town in uh, all sorts of... uh, Unusual locations. It was was in the days, the 70s, when steak wasn't steak like it is now, except at places like Ruth's Chris. But if you were looking for sort of a casual kind of thing, it was prime rib in a place like Steak and Ale or Ichabod's or Victoria Station. Exactly. And uh, you could tell what you were up to when noticing uh, that among some of the people who were customers there, they were... uh, Let's just say they are having fun together. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, and I, I'm not sure that I want to know what it means. So we're not going to ask Tom to elaborate on that. You can, uh, you can, you're permitted to check that out. Yeah, I don't know that I want to, though. So um, prime rib, usually, back in the 70s, unless my memory fails me here, um, it was usually accompanied by an extensive salad bar. I know that Victoria Station had one, didn't they? they I know that, that Steak their, and Ale had a big one. That was their bread and butter. And, and Ichabod's had one, yeah. So it was yeah. like you had a big salad bar, and then you would get this prime rib with a baked potato. That's right. Absolutely. And they had a few other things, too. Yeah. They had things like Maine Lobster uh-huh. and uh, a variety of items at that level. And uh, hamburgers, of course, you know, all these things uh, came together. And it made uh, a a fairly long-term New Orleans uh, local uh, restaurant. And uh, I'm talking about Ichabod's? Ichabod's. Okay, because I'm talking about all of them. I'm talking about Victoria Station, which was definitely not local, and Steak and Ale, which was definitely not local. But all of them are gone now because prime rib went out of vogue. Why do you think that was? Well, once uh, after you're, you've had a, a certain restaurant for a certain amount of time, you're ju- just tired of it anymore. Yeah. You, you don't want to have it again. Well, 
that's not true of every restaurant. No, no. I mean, I think that what Better you're talking maybe. about maybe is theme restaurants. Like there was this theme. theme. restaurants. Yeah, there was a theme to it. There was a, there. you had a big honk of beef. You had a baked potato. You had a salad bar. And that mm. was pretty much the end. There's uh, my favorite of those is uh, the Johnny Carson. Uh, Here's Johnny's. Here's John, yeah. yeah. Here's where was where was John. that? It was on uh, West Bank Expressway. Oh, in the old Dos Gringos. The, actually, Dos Gringos came second after yeah. Johnny's. Right, after Here's Johnny's. Okay, we've talked about both uh, Here's Johnny's and Dos Gringos, but back to Prime Rib. So Prime Rib had its day, and that day is over, unless you catch Prime Rib on a carving station. Which I like when I see prime rib on a carving station. You don't see it. There used to be something called a big steamship round. That yeah, what you're talking about is not so much the way it tastes, but the way it looks. The uh, the ones you just named, a couple of them there. Uh, you would get it to a, a point where you would have a certain kind of of flavor, as opposed to this shape which is how steaks and prime ribs and all that, it was all it was more about shaping than eating. And eating is what you ought to be doing, ought to be doing. Well, you know, it, it seems like you're right about the, the flavor because the flavor of a steak is distinctly different from the flavor of a prime rib. Do you think that's because of the au jus? Uh, that very likely is that, but there are many other things. They t after a while, an item that's so common like a, a prime steak, will fade into the background and you won't see it for a while. I know that has gone on with my radio show. Uh, I'll go for a couple of years without anyone asking or telling me a thing about prime rib steaks. And then well, prime, oh, we have... Okay. Then we have it every day, it seems like. it's uh, Okay, so when you say prime rib, you don't mean like roast beef. You mean... You mean uh, like a, a ribeye is what you're talking about. You're talking about a ribeye steak versus prime rib. It winds up being the same thing. It's the same shape in one way, but uh, there's another matter, and that's of uh, you, what what sort of juices, what kind of sauces do you put on yeah. it? It's Well, I think that um, a prime rib, like a steamship round, first of all, it was always too rare for me. So if I didn't get the very crusty edges of the prime rib steamship round, I didn't eat it. But, um, and even if you dipped it in the au jus, it still wouldn't cook it enough for me. But um, I, I like prime, I like, not prime rib, but I like um, ribeye steak also. I have a, another little expression here, uh, and you've used it, Anjou, and an Anjou, Anjou? An Anjou just basically tells you uh, this is how we are starting to treat it. We're going to put lots of jus. It's, it's with it's with juice. It's yeah. right with lots of, of jus, yeah. which is just the gravy from the whole thing. Right, uh -huh. and uh, that's a. a a, a big important thing, but then when you get these uh, big uh, steamship prime roasts, uh -huh, prime roast, yeah. so, uh, oftentimes they're about ready to go on a long uh, train trip. <laughs> well, you kind of <clears throat> they yeah they just had uh, all of these things, and you would find them on a ship 
or on. I a think train. that's why it was called Steamship Round. Could be because it was probably on the carving station at the steamship. Also, uh, you often you used to see this not much anymore. You have the the aju, the prime rib. All this is together on one big huge. Uh, carving station and they're carving the entire thing off for all the people at the buffet right yeah right well <clears throat> tom give them cut them some slack because the buffet is usually like a wedding or something mm -hmm. that's a, exactly right perfect use for it too so i'm just going to go ahead and read what you have here it's pretty lengthy today's national prime rib day prime rib is speaking strictly the three rearmost ribs from the primal rib roast however most restaurants and butchers consider all seven ribs in the standard rib roast as being prime rib the difference is that the one the the ones in the back have a bigger eye in the center and smaller islands of lean around the perimeter of fat the cut is essentially the same one that gives ribeye steaks but the cooking method is different. Most prime rib roasts are roasted whole and then cut into individual portions after cooking. The temperature of the roasting is typically on the very low side, 200 to 300, depending on who's doing it, and it can go on for hours. That's what gives prime rib its soft, juicy texture, so different from the firmer texture of the same cut if meat is grilled one steak at a time. Prime rib was very much in vogue in the 60s and 70s when restaurant chains all over America specialized in it. Two of note, New Orleans Victoria Station and Ichabod's Galley, just to name a few, which was a local chain, so it was local. The most famous place for the eating of prime rib, of course, is the rib room at the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel. One more thing, the prime in the expression prime rib is not the same as USDA prime grade for beef. A prime rib can be choice or worse grade. USDA prime prime rib is rarely seen. The amount of fat in it is fantastic, but fans of the cut love it for that. Yeah, okay. I uh, There's so much, though, if you start talking about uh, prime rib. Uh, that's terrific because while we were talking and while we were thinking, I came up with a, uh, just a few words that it w might be a little fun sometime. Here we are doing all this. Okay. Uh, rambling with Tom and Marianne. <laughs> and oh, you, th you, ca you, d you came up with new words for the show? Uh. Yeah, there you go. Rambling with Tom and Marianne. Ooh, that's, that's what we do. Yeah, so. that's it. I call it blathering. Blathering on. Just let us blather on. As well. yeah. Yes. So we're, here we are ready to blather some more about food. <laughs> but actually, you know, when I saw this almanac and I only saw two things on it, I thought, you know, well, I don't know about that. But prime rib has a really kind of a massive, uh, you can talk, it's, it's a, like a massive field of prime rib. I mean, we haven't even gotten onto cooking a prime rib roast at home, which we used to do on the grill, and it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Remember those days when we take like a little wonk of beef rib roast, and we have like three ribs in it, and we just stick it on the grill and get it all crusty on the outside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you try. It's hard to do the harder to do than most people realize. Really? Yeah, to get it nice and crusty on the outside, juicy in the middle. It has to be very delicate. We'd put we'd put it on the big green egg. We would um well not we, you would take the uh the the raw three rib roast and crust it with uh Creole seasoning. And then you would stick it out on the grill, and it would not be smoked. It would be grilled. Right. And it came off the grill really, really the way Mary Lee and I like it, which is just crunchy, crusty on the outside. And we would have those parts, and then you would eat the inside that was rare. 
Mm -hmm. That's exactly how it goes, and just pray that this big round will work out fine when it gets into... Well, you would always you would all test it with your uh, meat thermometer, which somehow or another has gone missing around here. So we have to get another one of those. But that was a really, that was good. You know, and just talking about that makes me think that we have to do that pretty soon. Now, when a person wants to entertain people and impress them at the same time, and they use what is called a standing rib roast or a crown roast, what is that? Wait a minute, run that by me when, again. When the when the the prime rib roast. Mm-hmm. Is a crown. Mm-hmm. Is that called a crown rib roast? What a is crown, that? that's exactly what it is. Uh, and it, that's a beautiful way to present it. And also it p- improves the quality of everything there. It just gives you this uh, contrast between the, the, the meats that are kind of on the soft side, but, in, uh, but they stand up. It's, it's hard to explain. It's a beautiful presentation. There's no two ways about it. Is it hard to cook? And have you ever cooked one? Oh yeah, sure. More, more in the, the uh, yeah. I uh, have done it with that, and also with uh, pork roast done the same way, which frankly I prefer. A, a pork crown roast. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I have never. You must have done that pre me because I don't know that I've ever had a uh, crown rib roast of either variety cooked by you but I would like to be someplace where such a thing occurs maybe we'll do that for Christmas one year do do a crown rib roast because I think it would be definitely interesting to do back to the ribeye steak though back to it I love the tomahawk what is okay so right so there's the cowboy ribeye and there's the tomahawk And what's the difference in those? Is it actually the same bone that's been shortened or is it a different bone? Well, it can get bigger or or smaller according to just the size of the piece of meat involved. But it is something that will uh, shrink and grow while you're doing it. And so, except it, for the bone, which makes it yeah. outsized, and and it comes out shaping like a hatchet or anything along those lines, and uh, while that might not see you, you may not say, well, what difference could? Because it makes a hell of a presentation. But it really does make a, a great uh, check-in point. Uh, it, it goes through the dining room and heads turn. Yeah, that's one of, for sure. Yeah, uh, I enjoy a. Uh, not a tomahawk. I mean, a tomahawk is fun, but I definitely do enjoy getting a cowboy ribeye when it is offered. All right. Moving off of, well, you have a couple of deaf dining rules, which I always love to read because I don't understand these dining rules. But anyway, number 712. If you ask for the end cut in a prime rib place, the only acceptable answers are, of course, and I'm sorry, we've already sold them tonight. I've had both of those said to me because when I am in a primer place, I always order the end cut because it tends to be more well done. Never, here's another one, 7, 713, never order the end cut. Of, <laughs> okay, so 713 is don't do that. Never order the end cut of prime rib unless you want to be identified as the kind of person who eats well done steak. Yeah, so what? I have no problem with that. I, I can't tell you how many dining rooms I've uh, been in where I've said to the waiter, tell 
the chef to cook it more than he is inclined to. The old, uh, and then sometimes, and tell them to get over it. The old kitchen sage says a prime rib roast with two bones is one bone short. A roast with four bones is just right. Okay, there you go. Well, what they're trying to dig up, uh, uh, what they're trying to dig their way out of is that if you uh, have a not so great uh, cut of, uh, cut, whatever it is, uh, be a little suspicious of it because it, might not be particularly good, and you're you're helping them escape a not so good. Ah, I see. Okay. All right. So you also have in here the definition of ajou, which is literally with juice, referring to the natural juices that come out of a piece of meat when cooked. Idiomatically, in this country, it means with gravy. The expression is most often used to describe the serving style for roast beef or prime rib. It's sometimes misspelled. And just with an A rather than a U also. The best prime rib places really do use the juices from their roast for their jus. But most restaurants make up the jus by reducing a beef stock ugh, and adding a few things like seasonings. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. Some add flour, which then makes it a gravy. Okay, this is the feast day of St. Zita. Do you know who that is, Tom? Uh, Saint Zita. Saint Zita. V with nope. a V? Nope. Z as in zero. Zita, a young servant girl. She gathered her own food as well as what other food she could find in the household of her employers and gave it to the poor in the streets of Lucca. Lucca. You've been to Lucca several Luca. times. Lucca. Mm-hmm. Lucca's not far from Florence. Oh, well that done. adorable little town, walled city not far from Florence. Because I remember eating two dinners, actually lunches, at Fiorenza. On yeah. trips there, and uh, they were really good. Yeah, I don't think we've ever eaten in Luca because we always blew through it, which is a pity because it's an adorable town. Um, she's the patron, St. Zita is the patron saint of waitresses. Her name is also the singular form of ziti, the tubular pasta a, lot, pasta, a lot like penne, but there is no connection between St. Zita and ziti. Okay. Yeah, anyway, Luca, Luca is a uh, is a favorite Italian town, Tom, and you have spent many hours in in uh, Luca. Well, now I know, and <laughs> I'll keep my eyes open for that. Okay, Tom, are you ready for the next entry in the almanac? Uh, sure. What is it? Maraschino. <laughs> Tom and I argued on a trip for four, that is four hours, four hours about the proper way to say M-A-R-A-S-C-H-I-N-O. And as it turns out, both are acceptable. But I think that's probably because the, um, the people who deem such things to be what they are allowed for the... Um, the imperfect people to get their say. Now you you know everybody must have the what this is all about. So you want to tell them about it, or shall I get into maraschino it? versus maraschino, tomato, tomato, filo, filo. That's not pronounced shito. It's the skino, uh, skino, maraschino, not right. the maraschino. It's yes. the maraschino. Yes, and this was actually 
pre-marriage. So it, that should have told us something right oh. there that we could argue for four hours about mm. the, the Boy, way to say marriage. saved a lot of time there. We surely could have. In uh, 1957, Mario Giannini passed away. Uh, he was the inventor of the maraschino cherry, so common in our drinks and baking. A maraschino cherry is a light-colored cherry preserved in a brine or alcohol solution, then marinated in a colored-flavored syrup that gives it usually an almond flavor. The flavor is an imitation of maraschino liqueur made from the marasco cherry and containing real almond extract. Did you want to say something, Tom? Well, do you know uh, how you pronounce that or... What, maraschino? Well, well it just depends. Maras well, no, 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 Tom, I'm a convert. It is maraschino because now, now, so many years later, I realized the proper way to say C-H in Italian, okay? C-H versus uh, American way of saying C-H. And how do you say in, that? in Italy, a C and an H always is a hard C. A hard C? Yeah, it's a hard C. Say it for us. Maraschino. Maraschino. Mm -hmm. Maraschino. Perfect. Yeah, okay. And you know what that opens to the, the cocktail drink that 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 is part of you know there is a classic uh, cocktail uh -huh. that has a related name i'll take manhattan the bronx and see i'm only gonna beat you with that yeah, one Tom, i uh <laughs> it was a man manhattan really and i tried to figure out why we've been so happy in lockdown. And we realized that we don't have to watch Tom at restaurants like we used to. We like that very much. I don't have to listen to Tom sing to a waiter, I'll take Manhattan and so those kinds a, of things. It's a cocktail and most people call maraschino, but it's really maraschino. Yes, yes. And then you have the cocktail too to and show for it. Manhattan. So sing it again, Tom, go ahead. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx and Staten Island too. And they'll just stop there. So you yes. So the, so yeah. All right. So maraschino liqueur is rarely used now. Now we turn to a long-running and absurd argument my wife and I have. I say, and dictionaries and speakers of Italian do too, that the preferred pronunciation is maraschino. I learned that from the cartoon character Snagglepuss, who was the first person I ever heard pronounce the word. My yeah, wife says it should be maraschino because she claims that's how most people say it. You're the first person to ever get me on that. With the Maraschino. Well, you know what? You know what? Um, it was in a cartoon. There are people who, I can't believe a, a cartoon named Snagglepuss would be saying Maraschino the Italian way. <laughs> That's so uh, random, as the kids say. Anyway, um, yes, uh, I, am, I am a convert to Maraschino because now I know the proper way to say it. But uh, Tom sure did have fun arguing for four hours. Uh, let's see. Oh, Samuel so. Johnson, words to eat by any of us would kill a cow rather than not have beef. Mm, I don't know. I can't, I can't say that. But anyway, uh, Martin Luther, beer is made by men, wine by God. Okay. I would go along with that. I would uh -huh. definitely. Go I'll along. accept that. Yeah. I, I, all right. We're gonna, we're gonna draw this, um, almost painful tomfoodery to a close. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you want to say goodbye, Tom? Oh, are we saying goodbye this early? Yeah, it seems yeah. like we just started. Oh, yeah. 
Well, uh, we will start again someday. Tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, I hope that you, in uh, whatever it is that you have not been run off by this one, are still uh, happy about things. Join us tomorrow.